Hi, welcome to This Week in Tudor History, part two. Now, in part two of This Week in Tudor History, I'm going to be looking at the wedding of a former princess and earl, a spy who worked for Spain during the Spanish Armada, but who escaped punishment, a Tudor lawyer, and the evening that Mary, Queen of Scots, was told that she was going to be executed the next day. So let's start with the 4th of February, uh, taking you back to the 4th of February 1495 in the reign of King Henry VII, when a wedding took place at Westminster Abbey in London. It was the wedding of Anne of York and Thomas Howard, Earl of Surrey, that princess and earl. Let me tell you a bit more about the bride and groom. The bride, Anne of York, was the fourth surviving daughter of King Edward IV and Elizabeth Woodville, and she was born on the 2nd of November 1475, making her 19 years of age at her wedding. Her father had once intended for her to marry Philip, son of Maximilian I, but it never happened. Anne's eldest sister, Elizabeth of York, married King Henry VII in 1485. Anne carried the chrism at the christening of her nephew, Arthur Tudor, Prince of Wales. And in 1487, she succeeded her eldest sister, Cecily, as Elizabeth of York's first lady of the bedchamber. When Elizabeth gave birth to her eldest daughter, Margaret Tudor, Anne carried the chrism at Margaret's christening. The man Anne married in 1495 was Thomas Howard, eldest son of Thomas Howard's second Duke of Norfolk and his first wife, Elizabeth Tilney. The Howards had a long history of service to the monarch, but the family was in the doghouse after King Henry VII came to the throne because Thomas's father and grandfather had been loyal to King Richard III and had both fought on his side at the Battle of Bosworth against Henry. Fortunately, the new king didn't hold it against the young Thomas and allowed him to marry his sister-in-law. Thomas was about 21 when he married Anne. Keen to prove his loyalty to King Henry VII, Thomas fought for the crown against the Cornish rebels and the Scots in 1497, fighting the Scots under his father's command. He was knighted that September. King Henry VIII came to the throne in 1509, and the following year saw Thomas being made a Knight of the Garter. The new king also granted Anne and Thomas lands in compensation for Anne's rights. But sadly, Anne did not live long enough to enjoy her lands. She died in late 1511 and was buried at Thetford Priory. Her remains were later moved to St Michael's Church in Framlingham. Thomas and Anne had four children together, but sadly none survived childhood. They were all dead by Anne's death in 1511. Thomas remarried in early 1513, taking Elizabeth Stafford, daughter of Edward Stafford, 3rd Duke of Buckingham, as his wife. Their children included Henry Howard, Earl of Surrey, Thomas Howard and Mary Howard, Duchess of Richmond and Somerset. The marriage was not happy. Thomas took a mistress, Elizabeth Holland, and his wife accused him of locking her away, taking her jewels and physically assaulting her. Thomas became third Duke of Norfolk in 1524 and climbed to dizzying heights in royal service, being appointed as Earl Marshal and Lord High Steward. He was, however, 
imprisoned and his son Surrey executed in the final days of King Henry VIII's reign. I'll give you a link to my video on his life and career. Moving on to the 5th of February, the 5th of February 1605, which was actually in the reign of King James I, but is about an Elizabethan person. This was when Elizabethan diplomat and member of parliament, Sir Edward Stafford, died. He was buried at St. Margaret's Church in Westminster. Stafford was born in 1552 and was the eldest son of Marian exile, William Stafford, and his second wife, Dorothy. His father's first wife had been Mary Boleyn, sister of Queen Anne Boleyn. His mother, Dorothy, was close to Elizabeth I following her accession as her mistress of the robes, and this helped Edward's prospects. He counted William Cecil, Baron Burley, as his patron, and by 1574 was acting as a courier and spy for Burley. In 1578, he went to France and was involved in the renewed negotiations for a marriage match between the Queen and the Duke of Anjou, who stayed at Stafford's home initially on his visit to England in 1579. In 1583, the newly knighted Stafford, who'd built up good relations with the French royal family, replaced Henry Cobham as ambassador to Paris. He had, however, made an enemy of Sir Francis Walsingham, Elizabeth I's spymaster, who not only intercepted Stafford's mail, but also reported his gambling activities in Paris and his associated debts. Although Stafford was linked to Charles Arundel, a Catholic conspirator in Paris, and was known to approve of the idea that Mary, Queen of Scots, should be Elizabeth I's heir, his friendship with Burley seems to have protected him from getting into trouble. And by April 1587, Stafford and Walsingham were reconciled. Earlier in 1587, the conspirator Charles Arundel had acted as an intermediary with Philip of Spain's ambassador, Bernardino de Mendoza, telling the ambassador that Stafford was prepared to act as a spy for Spain. Stafford was paid 2,000 crowns. But he wasn't the only spy, and it's not known precisely what information he passed on. But Spain definitely had advance warning of Sir Francis Drake's attack on Cadiz in 1587. And historian James McDermott notes that Stafford definitely underplayed to London the scale of Spanish preparations against England in the months before the Armada sailed. Though equally, much information he passed to the Spaniards was partly or wholly inaccurate, either intentionally so or because Walsingham and others were tainting its flow. In late 1590, Stafford was recalled from Paris and in the final years of his life, he served as a Member of Parliament for Winchester, Stafford and Queenborough. Stafford was married twice, first to Roberta Chapman, with whom he had a son, William, and two daughters, and then to Douglas Sheffield, a past lover of Robert Dudley, Earl of Leicester, by whom she had a son, Robert. They had two daughters together, but they didn't survive infancy. Stafford was survived by his son, William. Stafford's brother, William Stafford, was implicated in a plot against Elizabeth I, the Stafford plot. But it actually seems to have been a smokescreen and not a plot at all. I'll give you a link to my video on William and the Stafford plot. You'll find that link in the description. 
Spying and intrigue seems to have been um, rather popular in the Stafford family. Moving on to the 6th of February. On the 6th of February, 1585, in the reign of Queen Elizabeth I, lawyer, legal scholar and law reporter Edmund Plowden died in London. He was laid to rest in the Middle Temple Church. Cambridge University's libraries and the British Library contain manuscripts of his commentaries and opinions, and he is known for his 1571 volume of law reports covering cases during the reigns of King Edward VI, Queen Mary I and Queen Elizabeth I. And finally, the 7th of February. On the 7th of February, 1587, the warrant for the execution of Mary, Queen of Scots, arrived at Fotheringay Castle in Northamptonshire, where Mary was being held. Mary had been tried for treason in October 1586 after being implicated in the Babington plot, a plot to depose Queen Elizabeth I and to replace her with Mary. Mary had been found guilty and sentenced to death, but Elizabeth would not sign the execution warrant, not wanting the responsibility of killing an anointed queen. However, Mary's jailer, Sir Amias Paulette, would not agree to quietly do away with Mary. And after pressure from her council and petitions from Parliament, Elizabeth finally signed the warrant, although she later said that she'd asked for it not to be sent to Fotheringay yet. The Queen's council, however, sent it immediately to Paulette, who wasted no time in arranging Mary's execution. On the evening of the 7th of February, 1587, Paulette, his assistant, Sir Drew Drury, and George Talbot, Earl of Shrewsbury, and Henry Gray, Earl of Kent, visited Mary. Shrewsbury, who'd always treated the Scots Queen kindly, went down on one knee in front of her, read out the warrant, and informed her that her execution would take place the next day. A worried Mary was reassured by Drury that she would not be quietly murdered like Richard II, saying, Madam, you need not fear it, for that you are in the charge of a Christian queen. Mary then thanked the men, saying, I do not think the queen, my sister, would have consented to my death, as I'm not subject to your law and jurisdiction. But seeing her pleasure so, death shall be most welcome, Neither is that soul worthy of the high and everlasting joys above, whose body cannot endure one stroke of the executioner. I thank you for such welcome news. You will do me a great good in withdrawing me from this world, out of which I'm very glad to go. I am of no good and of no use to anyone. Mary crossed herself and continued, I'm quite ready and very happy to die and to shed my blood for almighty God, my saviour and my creator, and for the Catholic Church, and to maintain its rights in this country. Seeing herself as a martyr, she then asked for her chaplain, a request which was denied her, and then set about preparing herself for her death. After supper, where she drank to her servant's health, Mary prayed, made her will, distributed her belongings between her ladies and servants and then wrote some letters of farewell, including one to her brother-in-law, Henry III of France, in which she stated, I scorn death and vowed that I face it innocent of any crime. And continuing, 
The Catholic faith and the defense of my God-given right to the English throne are the two reasons for which I am condemned. And yet they will not allow me to say that it is for the Catholic faith that I die. Mary was executed the following day, the 8th of February, 1587, in a rather botched execution. Now do check out the description for this video for the links that I've mentioned. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I do hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe so that you can enjoy podcasts on a daily basis. Thank you.